0: Welcome to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast, where every two weeks we explore all the aspects of the weight loss surgery journey. We'll hear from a range of experts including bariatric surgeons, psychologists, patients and dietitians sharing up-to-date informative advice to help fast-track your long-term weight loss success. Hi, and welcome back to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast. I'm Jackie Lewis. I'm the clinical nutritionist for BN Multi and also your podcast host. And this week, I've got Izzy LaSalle's back. She might have remembered episode 16 when I chatted with Izzy. She just had her gastric sleeve surgery five weeks prior, and we were exploring the stigma around being overweight and how people who line up for bariatric surgery may not have sat on the couch and eaten and food and become obese, they might have been unwell and that was the case in Izzy's situation and at a very young age she found herself diagnosed with blood cancer, lymphoma and hence the treatment linking the steroid and medication and the weight gain led her to the need for bariatric surgery to also further preserve her health. And so we chatted about her story so far in episode 16, and we thought it was time to check back in. And here she is, Izzy Lasalle. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. It's always good to talk to you. And (laughs) so we spoke about five weeks after your weight loss surgery, and you're pretty positive about. What, what lay ahead for you. Yes. Tell me a little bit about your story so far.
1: Well, I mean, overall, I think it's been a, a pretty positive story. It's definitely been good. I certainly wouldn't change the decision to have the surgery done. I've, I'm quite lucky that I got to do it, to be totally honest. And it's funny looking back at that kind of five weeks after surgery, I was very positive and all that, but I still had those underlying kind of nerves about it a little bit going oh god you know like I really hope this works for me and all that sort of stuff but looking back on it now it's um yeah it's been a really interesting what would we be now like nearly nine months so yeah it's been really good. I'm glad to hear that yeah
0: and I mean, it's major decision you're having part of your body intervened with and to step into that is definitely nerve wracking. Yes. And you talked about that in our last episode, but you also talked about like, how am I going to manage food? I don't have much room for food. I've got so yeah. much to do with my nutrition and I'm still recovering from all the treatment I've had with regard to cancer. And now I'm also recovering from major surgery. I can see why you might've felt a bit
1: nervous. Yeah. What has it been like so far, the recovery and how is your health today? The recovery from the weight loss surgery took me a little bit longer than I thought it was going to initially, which was to be expected. I'd only, you know, six months prior had finished my stem cell transplant. So my body wasn't exactly firing on all cylinders at that point anyway. But the recovery, in saying that, the recovery certainly wasn't bad. It was quite a good recovery. It just took a little bit longer to kind of feel like you were back to you know, normal, if you can say that. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it was definitely, like, with the treatments for, you know, the blood cancer and that, it made it a little bit more difficult. But I was pretty positive and my surgeon was very positive and, you know, we sat out and, you know, made sure that we had a proper kind of guideline and, you know, put together little tips and tricks so that, you know, every day I could get up and do something without overdoing it. So that was good. Um, And that must be tricky to find your capacity, I suppose. You were talking last
0: time about, you know, I couldn't go to the supermarket with my mum and do, you know, the supermarket and the fruit shop. That was too much for me when I was doing cancer treatment. So yeah, when you're coming back from that, and your weight loss surgery like finding what your you know not ideal more, level of activity and you know your food and that sort of thing to help yeah. you to feel okay and not take too much out yeah. So that's a balance that's just practice, I suppose, isn't it? And finding yeah. out what is too much and not doing it again.
1: Yeah, that's it. I think it's definitely kind of, you just have to try it and see how it goes. And if it works, then it works. And if it doesn't, then it doesn't. Trial so, and error. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I've done a lot beforehand. Uh, with pre-op where I was walking every day and I was swimming and I was trying to really push myself. And then I had the surgery and it was almost a bit, it was almost a little bit frustrating because, you know, once you've had the surgery and you've had those three weeks off and then you're still, you know, on soft foods by that point, if not, you know, your puree soft food point. So you're still not feeling back to normal anyway, or like whatever <laughs> your normal new normal is. So I was trying to get out and walk and do that sort of stuff, but it just took me a little a little bit longer. So I mm. didn't really get back into the swing of going for walks and doing my gym and swimming and stuff until possibly that six- or seven-week mark, which was fine. I mean, I think by that seven-week mark I was absolutely ready to get back into it. So in a way it was probably a good thing. Um, yeah, it gives you that rest that you need it's often yeah. if we're learning to listen to the body and
0: um, kind of listen to what it's telling you and Obeying yes, <laughs> which a lot of us are not used to yeah. yes exactly. <laughs> and so you talk about wins and hurdles. what's the yes. biggest win you've had so far after the weight loss surgery?
1: I, it's I mean I've had quite a few small things that have happened that I look at definitely as wins. I mean you've got your normal wins where You know, you can walk a little bit further in a shorter period of time, or you know, like you can fit into a size eighteen, or you can, you know, you've got that pair of jeans at the back of the cupboard you've had for years that you don't fit into now you fit into. But it was funny. The big one for me that really made me realise that I I had lost weight and I was fitter and healthier was um, we'd gone with some I'd gone with some friends to an Australia Day weekend and we decided to go to a water park and um, before we went. To the water park. We went and played laser tag, and I could do. I played all of the games of laser tag, and oh, that's cool. Fine. You know, like I'd been able to go and do it, and I wasn't struggling. I could keep up with everyone, but my big concern and my my biggest anxiety over the whole day was going to this water park and having to squeeze myself into a life jacket (laughs) and it sounds so silly when you think about it that way but I had never in my life gone and done something like that because I was just especially you know my biggest Mm. thought I would never go and do that it just you know it wouldn't have happened and then all of a sudden I got to you know this park and I fit into this you know like medium-sized life jacket and I could pull myself up onto the things and you know run around and do all of it. And all of a sudden I'd realised it was like this switch going, you've actually, like you're a lot further ahead than where you thought you were. Oh, that's nice. That moment where you go, oh, I
0: really wasn't thinking that I could firstly get into the life yep. jacket, but now here I am doing what I really enjoy. And I'm, yeah. And you know, you're still very young yes. and living and those sorts of things where you're just doing what people yep. do and revisiting yep, that, spending time with friends and that sort of stuff must be pretty rewarding, I suppose,
1: too. Yeah. And it gave me that kind of confidence to turn around and be able to say yes to things that I wouldn't normally say yes to. Yeah, which has been quite nice instead of having to go, oh, I don't know whether I'll be able to do that, being able to go, you know what, I'll go and give it a go. And if I can't do it, I can't do it. Yeah, that's nice. And I hear that from a lot of people I
0: talk about in this realm as well is they used to need to either if they were thinking about going out to eat, it was more about where will we go. I need to be in control of that because I need to know that, you know, the seat will hold me or I'll fit there or I'll like all these things that you just, they must just take up so much space in the brain. Um, And then suddenly they're just not there anymore. And you're just like, yeah, I can just say yes without really even second guessing it or thinking about
1: it. Yeah. Well, I Um, mean, all of these kind of things that you have run through your head and you almost have a bit of a checklist and you're so right you know like is the car park too far away like can I actually walk there and back is the seat going to hold me is it going to be something where I can you know is it too crammed that I'm not going to be able to fit in around people to get in there like it's all these sorts of things which you don't think about being smaller Mm. you just don't it's a second like it just don't doesn't even come into your head
0: it's incredible how much space that takes up.
1: And then you just say
0: yeah. no because it's too hard to even think
1: about sometimes. Yeah, well, that's it. And sometimes it's just that anxiety of having to go and, you know, if the seat doesn't hold you or you can't squeeze in around people, it is, you do feel embarrassed and you mm. don't want to go through all that all the time. So sometimes you just go, oh, no, it's fine. Like I, you know, I don't feel like going, I've got something else on. Yeah. And that's another question I have for
0: you, and we talked about this last time, the stigma around Mm -hmm. being a bigger person and when it's life events that have brought you to be that bigger person, Mm -hmm. day to day, you noticing that life is presenting in a different way to you now, you're a slimmer version of yourself. Do you notice, what are you noticing in your environment and just with, you know, the
1: people that you come across? Is there a difference? it's a lot of like my family were quite supportive especially mum and and that they were like she was really supportive Mm. Um, I did have a couple of cousins that weren't as supportive and looked at it as kind of a cop-out to just going and doing you know people would throw up this term all the time and go oh you know you just don't want to do the hard work Mm. and I think to myself well, cause this is really easy work <laughs> So, in a way, almost harder than just being able to diet and exercise. People take for granted how easy it is mm. for some people to just flip that switch and eat well and just go off and exercise and lose, you know, a couple of kilos and they're happy. Yeah. And so those people, I think having lost, cause I've lost quite a bit of weight now, how much weight do you mind me asking? Yeah, so at my heaviest, I was 167 kilos. Mm -hmm. And at my lowest, or my lowest now is 114 kilos. Yeah, that is significant in eight months. So that's a significant change. Yeah, Yeah, well done. What, 52 or 53 kilos? Yeah. But in saying that, I didn't go into surgery at 167 kilos. I went into surgery at 148 and a bit, I think so you know I'd put a lot of effort in before we got to that to lose weight because I wanted I was desperate I couldn't stay at that weight on my own anyway but it's funny you know because I have lost you know nearly 55 kilos a lot of people look at it and they go you know like wow like you really have you know you're looking good you must be feeling better and all that sort of stuff and it's funny they kind of Oh, it's not they're really supportive of it but they're more supportive now that I'm smaller <laughs> if that makes sense you know like it's it sounds doubting really Thomas's
0: from the start they're like mm, we'll just yeah. watch this face
1: yeah and you know it's not that they, they weren't waiting for me to fail or anything mm. like that but it just there was that point where you see that look in their eye when like you see them and they go oh wow like she actually has she actually has lost weight like you know wow it, well it did work you know like it's that kind of thing where i mean oh
0: god i don't know but um it must be nice though to you know
1: have that time in the sun especially having been so big for such a period of my life especially Mm. being sick in that and because I was sick no one really felt the need to discuss my weight with me yeah mainly because they didn't want to upset me you know like I was already bald and going through chemo the last thing they wanted to do is sit there and bring up weight (laughs) whereas it's funny before I went into all of my treatment and before I knew that, you know, I'd had, that I had cancer, I mean, look, I was still a bigger person. I certainly wasn't a tiny, like size six or anything. Mm. And my cousin actually sat me down one day and had a conversation with me about my weight. And I appreciated it because it came from a loving place. Mm. But it was one of those things where I knew being even bigger than that, that, they wanted to have that conversation they wanted it to change for me because they wanted it from a good place but they just weren't game enough to sit down and talk to me about it at that point it is a hard one isn't it and it's something
0: that often they'll wait for people to reach out and discuss Hmm. um but often that's it was a conversation I had with Shannon Taylor last week we did a session around just some articles that have been in the news around the stigma around Being a bigger person and and that sort of stuff and how it's taking people up to nine years when they're struggling with their weight to actually reach out to get professional help. Yeah, and we were discussing kind of whether it's chicken and egg. You know, do you go into the doctor for something else and they say, hey, I notice your weight's increasing, and how is that accepted from the patient? Um, Is that a good intervention, or could it be done better? Could it be done earlier? And so it's a really good conversation to have, but it is something that it's a tricky one because it's either well received and Yes, I'm really struggling and I don't want, know what to do. Yeah. Or it's, you know, the people are presenting looking for help and they're not getting the support that they need. It's like, well, you just need to exercise more and eat less. And there's the recipe for weight loss. But yeah. there's that, there's all those statistics that once you get to a certain point of carrying excess weight, that yeah. the statistical chances of you releasing that weight and keeping it off once you are 20 kilograms heavier than you need to be very slim and because yeah. that that's when the metabolic picture is involved so you know it's um it's that generally the uneducated eat less and exercise more philosophy that it'll become that kind of projection onto the people who are struggling with their weight as well
1: funny for people who you know have been in that situation where they are carrying it might be a little bit of weight it might be a lot of weight you know they have these people who sit there and they say to you oh but you just have to do this and it's so patronizing and for me and I know it's not the same for everyone but for me when I heard that it almost made me go in the opposite direction Mm. it almost made me spiral the other way Um, And I found, you know, I remember really vividly going into a doctor's appointment with a new GP that I hadn't been to before because I couldn't get into my normal GP and my heart rate was really high and my blood pressure was really low. And that is a side effect of cancer and chemotherapy and all sorts And anyway, my heart rate being that high, he had brought up the idea of, you know, have you tried to lose any weight and all that sort of stuff? And I did explain to him that it actually, yes, it could be, you know, exacerbated by weight. But for me, you know, I do have, you know, conditions that cause this. So it's not just weight related. And he was very persistent that I needed to really kind of think about my health as an overall picture and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I got really frustrated with him because I'd actually gone in there for something totally unrelated. Mm. And I'd spent the best part of that appointment discussing my weight issues over something that had nothing to do with weight. Yeah. And then do you get the problem solved
0: that you went for or do you get another problem?
1: Well, this is the thing. And he starts to, you know, suggest, all the like weight loss shakes and, you know, the light and easy and the Jenny Craig and the Weight Watch and all these sorts of things, which I think, and it might just be me, but I think are fundamentally flawed. Um, I agree. In their I'll just say that. Yes. <laughs> and especially being smaller and having put myself through all of those different diets, I look back on it and I feel so sorry for myself having to drag myself through those processes, which was so miserable, but it was funny. He just recommended all these different things and I got really frustrated with him and I said, you know, I've got cancer being fat isn't like on the top of my list Mm. right now to fix. (laughs) <laughs> um I don't do you think, think you could do something with the cancer and then maybe yeah, have a look at if, my weight it's funny it's kind of like one of my friends said to me one day it's like the equivalent of you walking in there and your arm has fallen off when you're holding mm-hmm. your arm and you say look I really need you to reattach my arm and they go oh well you are overweight so let's discuss that first like it's, a good it's the same thing you know <laughs>
0: And that must, yeah, you're right. I can see why people kind of end up rebelling when someone says, oh, I see you're overweight, you should eat less and exercise more. It's like, do you think I haven't tried that? Like I'm here looking for help and
1: exercise and eating differently Mm -hmm. hasn't been the key. Um, And look, there are so many, there are so many resources out there that I don't truly believe that anyone doesn't know that the idea is to eat less and exercise more. mm, Everyone knows that. But in practice, in everyday life, I don't think it is as simple as it sounds. If it was as simple as that, we probably wouldn't have more than,
0: you know, 60% of the population staring down the barrel of either being overweight or obese. So it's more and it is it's a bigger picture than that. It's more of the mental health side of things as well. On that, since you've had the weight loss surgery and you're feeling, you know, you're coming out of your treatment period, what's it done for your mental health overall?
1: I think mentally it's made a huge difference. And I, to be totally honest, didn't actually expect it to make such a big difference because I put my mental health, not that I had big mental health issues, but like from my cancer treatment, I discovered you know, quite a lot of anxiety. And, you know, I had, you know, a cu- quite a few issues with, you know, like post traumatic stress and stuff like that through, you know, experiences through cancer. And I put them all down to the cancer. And I just went, even losing the weight, I don't think it's going to make the biggest difference having lost quite a bit of weight now, I look at it and go mentally it's reinforced something saying that you can do this and that Mm. you can you've put your mind to it and you've made it happen for yourself. Um, And it's still a journey and I'm certainly not the end of it anywhere near like close, but it was nice to know that you know it wasn't just the surgery that did it for me. The surgery was a tool that I had to use. So it was this real like reinforcement going, you you can put your mind to something and you can do this. And I imagine there's been a large period of the
0: last four or five years where everything's out of your hands. Mm. And you know, you just have to comply with here's what we're going to do to help you to save your life. Yeah. And you don't have any choice in that. So to come out of, you know, this is another tool we'll give you, but you've got all these choices to make now that will help you and um, yeah. will set you down the right path for regaining your health. Yeah. I imagine it's the first time you've kind of felt empowered about your own body and yeah. you know what it's going to do and how it's going to behave as a result of what you've actually got yeah. um, control over now. Well,
1: and having, that must be pretty rewarding. Yeah, definitely. And you've absolutely nailed it with the whole idea of having your own choices. You've been given those choices back. And that's one of the, that was one of the big issues, you know, mum and I would go, okay, well, we've got to do something that's relatively positive in our day. Well, why don't we go and have a coffee and a cake? Or why don't we go and have lunch? Or why don't we go and have dinner? Why don't we go and do, and it was always around food. You'd walk in, you could sit That was it. There was no physical Mm. boundary. Now it's one of those things where you you can still like we still go and have lunch. We still go and have a coffee or whatever when we want to. But I've actually really enjoyed the fact that my life isn't controlled by food anymore. I'm not looking at my next meal going, okay, well. You know, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? It's kind of just you've got a plan. You know what you, you know, you know, you've, you've got to eat something, but mm-hmm. it's not your main focus of every day. Yeah, it frees up again, more headspace, doesn't it? When, yeah. And I think
0: this brings about the fact that food has a job to do. Yeah, It's not a f- food's job is not to be an exciting adventure every time we sit down to a meal. And I think TV has a lot to to answer yes. for with Master Chef bringing up incredible, you know, and, and a lot of the food shows are around it is, it's a beautiful thing and it, it's put together in an incredible way and the techniques yeah. they use and that sort of stuff. But I think it's not only that, but I think it's bringing about this understanding that every meal should be a gobsmacking, incredible, yeah. you know, event when yes. really it's got a job to do. So yeah. it's looking at it now from a bariatric perspective is Does it have, is it going to do the job? Does it have enough protein in it? Does it have healthy carbs? And have I got some good fats there? And it's not, you know, and is it it not too big? Whereas before it was like, which exciting event can we um, indulge ourselves in? And um, it just gives that whole, again, you're not thinking about, how, you know, how elaborate things would be. And you find pleasure in the smaller things, like doing your own food with good herbs and spices and seeing how interesting you can make a plate of vegetables and meat. Yes. And I think that's the key is exploring what we can do with just food and not, you know, adding all the different things in it that we do find when we step out a lot of the time. But also I think we're becoming better at a lot of restaurants now recognize that people want to eat well, healthily. Yes. So you can generally go out and find something that would satisfy, you know, the meat and vegetable no, kind of
1: configuration that you're looking for. Yeah.
0: But yeah, that's really interesting. And it sort of takes away the, you know, roller coaster of it all yeah. as well.
1: I um, I think one thing I have learned in the whole bariatric realm over the last, you know, what is it, nine, nearly nine months, I think, you know, even though a lot of my weight gain was result, like really came from medication and steroids and chemotherapy and all of that, there was still a point where I still ate the wrong things and did the wrong things. And my lifestyle beforehand wasn't conducive to a perfect healthy lifestyle, Mm. I still, like I didn't eat horrendously all the time. It certainly wasn't that, but, you know, I certainly didn't eat what I'd eat now. And I don't even just mean in portion size. I mean like the types of foods. Choices that Um, you make. Yeah, but I think there's a point, especially with bariatric patients, where there's that element of self-control that you are lacking before you have this surgery and that Mm. doesn't leave once you've had the surgery obviously but you are equipped with much more information and you know to make choices but I do think there's a point where it's on a bit of a sliding scale because I've seen quite a few people go from that overindulged space to begin with to the opposite end of the scale where it's almost unhealthy correct um and for me like I watch a YouTube channel oh it's a British channel that is food all food related and they're chefs and they cook stuff and it's all based around sustainable and good eating Mm. but it's not just okay well this is the only thing you can have this is healthy you know and all the rest it's well you have 21 meals in a week, right? So let's make a couple of them, not fancy, but a bit nicer, you know, with a couple of things that might be treats. And then the rest of the time you, you know, are in check with, you know, your normal healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Um, Which I find really, yeah, exactly. Mm. So it's that balance. And that's for me, and I think especially having had the cancer aspect coming into this, I don't want to restrict myself to a point where it's like, okay, I can only eat chicken and veggies for the rest yeah. of my life. Cause that to me isn't living either. No. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of, for me, it, that's been probably my biggest struggle with all of it is mm. I've had to find that balance. And that's been hard sometimes because you have something nice or say you've got, you know, a couple of days out of the week where you might be seeing friends or going out for dinner or, things like that you're not eating what you'd normally have yeah So yeah, it's kind of trying to find that balance. Yeah,
0: I think you're right. And I think we like to go out now. We like to socialise and Mm. it is around food. And if you want to do that three times a week, that's not 80-20. So it's looking at ways you can do that and still stay within your limit of this 80-20 rule that we like to stick to. So you do enjoy it, but it's not like a party every time you go out. And I think about it like when we were kids, we didn't have discretionary foods in the house unless there was a party they were party foods but now those foods soft drinks chocolate that sort of stuff are are day-to-day foods they've just slipped down a couple of rungs and gotten into our everyday, and they they don't belong there so that's also looking at you know going back to oh you know time's gone by should i say it (laughs) show my age to how we used to eat and it was food during the week and then if there was a birthday party we'd have party food and then it was gone again it wasn't then you'd enjoy it for the next week afterwards so it's um it certainly is about that balance and on that what do you feel is the one or one or two things you implement daily
1: to keep you feeling good about your health well I mean I set myself goals um every week I sit down and I write myself some goals and usually it's an exercise goal and a food goal good on you. so my food goal might be to cook something that I haven't cooked before or to say come up with a new snack like another healthy uh, alternative of a snack that you used to love or something something a bit like it's hard to explain something that's a bit creative that I can still sit down and kind of you Know, problem solve a little bit, yeah. And it might even just be like, I know one of my big things coming out of surgery was coffee. I would have coffee mm-hmm. all day, every day, sometimes two times a day, um, which was an old habit. And I kind of it was just all this milk all the time, and it was too much. Um, and so one of my food goals for the week was two coffees. You're like, okay, to take coffees any week, so pick. If you're going out with friends and you want a coffee, that's it. That's one coffee gone. You get one more, no more. You have to, you know, work with two. That's good. Which was good. So the goals kind of kept me in check a little bit just to, you know, make it, you know right at the forefront of my mind so you know I was thinking actively thinking about it and um, writing goals down i
0: think there's the um there's actually research on that a written goal is implemented mm-hmm. i think it's like i don't know eight times more effectively yeah. than one that's in your head of i'm going to give yep. that a go yep. this week people who write things down get things done at a rate that's far outweighs anyone who was just yeah. thinking about it. So good on
1: you for doing that. I think it kind of clarifies it to a point where it's right in front of you. Mm. And I've got a big whiteboard in my room that has um like a big monthly calendar and weekly calendar underneath. Um so like that and I had to have that with all my cancer treatment and stuff mm. trying to keep things straight. It was really difficult. But I have a section on that whiteboard that's all for weight loss. So yeah. it will have all of my original kind of numbers. Like I have my highest weight on them, my starting weight, my current weight, how much weight I've lost. And it's like a running counter. And it's like a reminder all the time that this is where you're at. This is how far you've come. And then next to it, I have my goals and I sit down and I'll go, okay, well, this week I might want to, you know, walk every day for 30 minutes, which like I'm past that now. I usually do that anyway, but like right at the beginning, it might've been, okay, well, you need to walk every other day. And then when you're at home on those other days, do your stretches. Yeah. So it just started off small and it and you know, I just find that it really helped to kind of keep me on track. Yeah, keeping it in your start, vision is a good that. point. Mm. Yeah. And I remember I spoke to Shannon, actually, this is right back at the beginning. I don't know if he would remember this conversation, but we were walking and I said to him, I'm struggling because there's so much information about food out there. And they're telling me I need this much protein and this much, this and this much. And it was just starting to become really overwhelming for me Mm. because I'd never looked at food that way. And he kind of said to me, well, look, it's not necessarily about counting everything all the time, but you need to know what you're having. So maybe try to find an easier way to understand that information. And it's got to be, and I was like oh that's you know is helpful but also like kind of not helpful like it was (laughs) really hard at the time and then I'd kind of put in a week where I'd done all this research and watched all these different things on YouTube and I looked at you know different talks and books and all sorts of stuff and eventually what I came down to was it's got to be small enough that it fits in your bariatric kind of bowl so you're still having that like half a cup to a cup worth of food you know your like your protein some veggies some you know good fats for you and if you can stick to that then you should be okay and I simplified it down to that that's pretty much it yeah you nailed it yeah well that was the thing and it was and that takes away all the stress of it Yeah, it did, but it took me a really long time to understand what that meant because I'd never eaten like that. No, and that's the expectation is
0: here's this surgery, we'll do this, and then you have to do all of this, and that'll be easy. And then it's people haven't don't look at food and go, oh, that's you know fifty grams of protein, and that's people just don't necessarily until they need to don't look at a meal in that way. Yeah, so it is,
1: you're
0: fast on your feet, learning straight after surgery kind of what it all is and we can see how it becomes overwhelming. Hmm. But that's what the bowl and the plate do is they just, you put it on the plate and you don't have to think too much about it. It's then you know that you've met your needs and it's all Yeah,
1: I mean, now I don't use the plate. I feel like I kind of graduated to a point where I didn't need the plate. (laughs) And it was funny, after a while, mom kind of said to me, you know, you know this like off the back of your you know yeah you know you know what it is do you want to graduate to a bread and butter plate <laughs> and I was it was funny take I was your getting, training wheels off yeah I was really nervous about it to begin with and mum said to me you might not always have that plate you know mm-hmm. you might just need to branch out to a bread and butter plate mm-hmm. wing it yeah and when I did it was I kind of, you know, it was fine. I I knew exactly what I was doing and what I needed to do, but it was just that guideline was gone. Yeah. You know, getting into that was a good thing. Yeah. So and that's the end. time
0: to do it in that first year is to establish yeah. that. And it sounds like you have.
1: And, and- I also meant going to like restaurants and that if we mm. go and say get a share plate or, you know, if I go with friends, they usually order two main meals and I just have a little taster of whatever's on their plates really, really now. I don't cool. order a full main meal for me. I would never eat it all. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, I can ask for a share plate and they'll give me a little plate and I can still like in my mind go, okay, well, that's for my veggies or like that's for my yeah, you know, break it up. That's good cool. or whatever, and then that's my protein, and that you know, like, so it still works out. That's good. And you're you've
0: got some plans coming up. Tell me a little bit about what your next mission is. Well, it's a big one. Yeah. Um, that's so why I'm asking
1: about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, um, coming out of hospital after my stem cell transplant, I was desperate to go off and do something and see something, and <laughs> traveling was always my big motivation. And I was looking at a whole heap of, you know, different travel things. And I thought, well, you know, actually, I'd really like to drive down to the Great Ocean Road and drive the Great Ocean Road. So we kind of came up with a couple of plans to do that. And mum and I were looking at things and trying to make it happen. And obviously, COVID came up and it kept pushing it back. And anyway, as we were looking at it, more and more places and things started to get added to that list. And all of a sudden, it turned into a full lap of Australia. Oh,
0: there you go. From a simple trip to Victoria yeah, to yes. ride around. So this is your common thread with Shannon Taylor, this trip around Australia.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was funny. I kept talking to him originally when I first met him. He was gearing up to do his bike trip around yeah. Australia and he couldn't with COVID. And I said to him, it's you know, almost like a bit of like serendipity almost, because I've wanted to do this for a really long time. And you telling me that you want to ride around Australia on a push bike, so has kind of given me a little bit of inspiration to go, yeah. you know what, I'm actually going to go off and make it happen. Good on you. Um, and and so- is it a possibility
0: now with borders and that sort of thing? Are you, have you set well, a date?
1: Yeah so I set a date to leave on the 19th of April which is oh. not that far away. It's the 19th um, of March today just saying. Yes exactly so <laughs> on today um, I've got a couple of things left to do but I went and traded my little Peugeot hatchback for a four-wheel drive which How I could love I do? <laughs> um, because I didn't think that my little uh my little 308 was going to make it for Not backing the Peugeot for a trip around. <laughs> no, I was not backing the Peugeot for a trip around. So. Yeah, I traded my car and got a four-wheel drive and I'm getting a couple of things done to it to make it, you know, a bit you know, more prepared for a trip like that. Good on you. But, yeah, so I leave in April and I'm supposed to be, at the moment I'll be back around the end of October, early November. So it'll be a while, but I kind of just decided that I needed to do something for me and I didn't mm. want to go back to work straight away and I've had a really horrible five years even though I put a bit of a smile on it and mm. make a couple of jokes which in hindsight some of it was very funny but I just decided that I needed to do something for me mm. and that's what this or where this kind of came from. It sounds Like, it's a great idea. I think you'll have a fabulous time.
0: And I wonder if we do a third episode when you come back from your trip around Oz.
1: Are you going it alone? Yeah, so some of it um, I've got friends who have said they're going to come and do bits of it with me, but the majority of it will be on my own, which Mm -hmm. I am more than happy to do. It's funny, a lot of people have said to me, doesn't that terrify you going off on a trip (laughs) on your own? Oh, and I said, no, nothing. Really. a lot of people have said that. And it's quite funny not to bring it all back to the cancer, but um, the last five years have been terrifying. So mm. driving around Australia. Put it in perspective, right? Um, yeah, it really, yeah. it's exciting, if anything. That's, I don't feel like there's a lot that I would face anymore that I would find really genuinely mm. terrifying. So going off and doing that. Yeah, it's a fun thing to do rather than, you know. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. So, yeah, I've got some friends and then the rest of it will be on my own. And then, um, yeah, we'll just kind of see. I, I mean, I did say to, you know, everyone, I said, well, look, you know, if there's anywhere you want to come to or anywhere you want to see, I'll be in the vicinity where I'll be be. yeah
0: (laughs) and you can follow your on your socials can we follow your
1: trip yeah so I don't know if you saw Shannon's idea but he actually put a tracking link up for people to follow him on his bike trip down to I think it was Tarthra or Tari I think it was um so I'm doing the same thing so that if you do want to know where I am or anything <laughs> like that, you can have a look at that link. But I do have another separate little like Instagram page that I'm in the process of setting up Yeah. Um, that will be all trip-related so everything yeah. will go up there. Oh, that would be great. Can, and we'll share yeah. it in the show notes,
0: yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. I'm pleased to hear about your journey so far and that yeah. you're looking ahead at things that are less terrifying and exciting times driving around Australia. And we always look forward to hearing about the rest of your journey. So thank you once again for joining us and sharing. And good luck with your drive around Oz, because that's about as far as we can go at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah, completely. Thank you, Izzy LaSalle. Have a wonderful week. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening. And just before you go, we would love to hear your feedback. So please give us a rating and review. For other interesting topics of conversation and inspiration, come and drop into our Facebook community at BN Bariatric. If you've enjoyed our podcast, we hope you will share on your Facebook or Instagram and hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.